Well, uh, we'll just start off by saying welcome to Dr. Professor, Mr. Pastor, Reverend, could we go so far as to say that, Daryl Bigger. Mm. Um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself uh, to, to our listeners here today? What's, what, what, who, who is Daryl Bigger? Uh, Daryl Bigger is a father, wow. a husband, a son, a pastor, a former military chaplain, uh, and social worker who has reinvented himself after supposed retirement. <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm working now as the Dean of the School of Sociology and Social Work at Walla Walla University. Wow. Wow. F a fine institution, if I can make that plug. <laughs> <laughs> well, made so by students like you. <laughs> mm. uh, Daryl, of all those areas, what do you think has been the most, um, what's your most memorable experience in You've got, you've traveled through all the areas of ministry and of service with people. Ah, uh, which is your favorite child? <laughs> uh, I don't have any kids, you know, so that's an yeah, easy one. Well, then you're safe. <laughs> uh, I, I, I've, I've enjoyed almost everything I have done. I loved pastoring. Um, military chaplaincy gave me opportunity opportunity to uh, interface with people that I would never have contacted otherwise. Um, both a variety of religions and many with no religious orientation whatsoever. Mm. Uh, but the setting in the military allowed that kind of interface. I was in Washington, D.C. on 9-11. That was a memorable time. Uh, and that happened several years after we lost our daughter, who was murdered uh, in Washington as well. So, lots of uh, lots of memories embedded around the, the, that whole topic of loss and recovery, and how one uh, how one maintains a, a connection and confidence in God after things don't go well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's that's kind of our theme this month is talking about forgiveness and more specifically reconciliation. How do we reconcile with the nasty things that have gone on in our lives and progress out of them into a more holistic version of ourselves and healthier version of ourselves in all reality? Could you tell us a little bit, if you're all right with that, about the story about your daughter um, and then how how you progressed into a mindset of forgiveness uh, for her perpetrator. Mm. Yes, I, uh, we do share this story, my wife and I, whenever we're asked, be because it has been, uh, in, in spite of the pain and tragedy, it has been uh, a very healthy journey in the end. Mm. Uh, that is to say, we're... We understand ourselves and our relationship to God in much more profound ways than we did before lo losing Shannon. Um, Shannon was working uh, at a hospital uh, in the fundraising department in the uh, metropolitan area of Washington, D.C. A couple of weeks before she was to come back to a permanent job out west, 
uh, a man got into her apartment, tied her up in her bed and stabbed and slashed her to death. He was, uh, he was identified a couple of days later uh, because of a license plate on a van that had been uh, that had been seen on the security camera at her apartment complex and was not one of the residents there so uh, anthony robinson after um, after his uh, arrest ended up months later pleading guilty to uh, a variety of crimes, three different crimes, and accepting the sentences of uh, life in prison without the possibility of parole, plus life in prison, plus 20 years. Uh, all of that to avoid the death penalty, which would have been an alternative had he uh, contested the, the accusation. Um, I was sheltered for uh, several months after Shannon was killed in the summer, um, sheltered from the anger and rage that I would have anticipated. Uh, and, and I was just in horrifically deep grief for a long time. Um, the following spring, uh, Anthony from prison filed uh, several appeals essentially asking to change his plea from guilty to not guilty um, and wanting his sentences reduced uh, and when when we were notified by the state's attorney that he had filed those appeal um, my sadness turned to rage toward him I was furious that this man who had admitted what he had done now wanted to get out of paying the consequences for that. And I was furious. Yeah. Uh, for several weeks, I tried to overcome that. Uh, tried by prayer and uh, stress reduction exercises, all kinds of, uh, all kinds of methods to let go of the, clench fists and the tight jaw and the knots in my stomach uh, and I couldn't get it done. One Sabbath morning at church, um, the sermon was about how uh, God identifies his followers because of the way they love one another and other people around us will see how we treat each other and know that we're disciples of Christ and uh, I, I felt like a failure that morning in light of that message because I had tried to let go of that anger and I could not get it done uh, then uh, verses from Paul in the book in it uh, in the book of Romans came to my mind while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Very rarely would one die for somebody else, but perhaps for a really good person, one might be willing to die. But God shows his love for us in this, that 
while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And I, that morning, when I hated the resentment and bitterness inside myself, when I, when I knew that if I had had physical opportunity, Anthony's life would have been at risk. I was so furious. When I hated myself for being that kind of person, to think that that was the Daryl that Jesus had died for, uh, that knocked the props out from under me. And uh, I felt more profoundly touched by God than at any other time in my life. And by the time church was over, uh, the knot in my stomach was gone. My fists were relaxed. My jaw was not tense anymore. Uh, and for me, that was a miracle from God. So that's what internally changed me. And I've spent years since then trying to understand what in the world changed how that happened and that's what launched the study of forgiveness yeah can you dive into that a little bit i mean that's a it's an incredible first-hand experience that you have with letting go of the the right the clenched aspects of anger and such um what has your study of of forgiveness and reconciliation taught you about um, not only the, the positive effects it has on the individual, um, but, but what does it do then for, for maybe the people that they come into contact with, the people that have uh, perpetrated them, the people that have, haven't just, um, they, they've been key players in their, in their narrative, in their story. What has it done mm-hmm. for, for those around those who have, have let go and decided to forgive? Yeah. Um, and I assume you're talking now uh, about the perpetrators. How does this impact our relationship with perpetrators? Sure, yeah. I, uh, let me tell you a bit about our relationship with Anthony as a result of that. Um, it, was, uh, it was a period of m- many months before I was ready to even approach the possibility of being in direct contact with Anthony. Really? Even though my own internal... Uh, turmoil had settled. Mm. I, w- I was not sure I was ready to face that. When the time came that I thought I could handle it, I made contact with the prison where he was being held and uh, was told that it was not possible for us to be directly in touch. Mm. Um, that the state of Maryland where he was incarcerated was forbidding any direct contact between perpetrators and victims. Um, They had had some bad experiences with attempts at doing that and um, had to physically intervene to prevent uh, attacks and assaults in those sessions. And we were not even allowed uh, to be in touch via letter or phone call, uh, let alone direct contact. So for us, it was impossible to explore that kind of direct reconciliation. 
And uh, one thing I learned as a result of that is that the, the benefits to oneself as a survivor of some kind of trauma or mistreatment, uh, the benefits to oneself can come even without direct contact with the perpetrator. Um, I've, done, I've done some therapy with uh, clients <clears throat> who, um, who have been assaulted or uh, betrayed or abused. Sure. Uh, and uh, even when the one who hurt them is deceased, they are able to find relief by um, exploring how to let go of their anger and resentment so even direct contact is not always necessary yeah. uh, Daryl I'm just wondering um, in the Christian narrative when we experience pain and suffering and loss and trauma um, I guess if you're not Christian or if you don't believe in a, uh, a greater being you usually just have to deal with yourself and the person who offended you, right? Uh, but in the Christian narrative, it becomes threefold, where we deal with ourselves, the person who offended, and then God. Um, what was your feeling towards God in the earlier stages? Because we wrestle with this. Um, when we experience pain, like, are we allowed to show that sort of negativity towards our God? Is he, is he angry at us for doing that? Um, you know, so what was that like at the beginning? Uh. Um, I love the Psalms because particularly David is very direct with God. Hmm. How long are you going to desert me? Where are you when I need you? My hmm. enemies are attacking me. They're overwhelming me. You're doing nothing to help me. Hmm. You've left me. Um, and and in most of those psalms, David comes back after a pause and describes what God, in fact, did or had done that he hadn't recognized before. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, we, we were fortunate to already be a family of faith. So our confidence in God was not so much shaken as uh, that we were confronted with the realities of living in a world that is often very hostile, unjust, unfair, dangerous. So we didn't struggle with that as some others have. I know others... Um, Others have to deal with those questions of why God allows uh, us to suffer. Why doesn't God prevent evil when we say he's powerful enough to do that? Uh, and those, those kinds of questions uh, I had theoretically answered in the years leading up to Shannon's murder. Hmm. Um, and we were grateful for that Christian experience and background that provided some responses at that difficult time. I think for other people, that is an early part of the journey, Ben. You're exactly right. That they have to sort out 
what their relationship with God is now as a result of all of this. Yeah. Do you feel like your, the, the benefits that you personally gained from being able to forgive, even if not in person, do you think that translated in any way to bettering the lives of those directly around you that you come into contact with your family or your coworkers, things like that? Or were you pretty good at, you know, maybe hiding the clenched jaw from those you were closest to prior to being able to forgive or did it benefit a collective of individuals and not just yourself? Um, there's a lot of research, uh, secular research, non-religious stuff in the last 15 or 20 years about the subject of forgiveness. And one of the things that has been uh, discovered is that some people are naturally more forgiving than other people. Really? Um, that those of us, and I'm among that group, those of us who are uh, what are described as ruminators, people who just kind of mull over the injuries and grievances in life and uh, toy with them, tell the story over and over, relive those experiences. Those people have a more difficult time forgiving than those uh, who are able to let go of those memories and, uh, and move into the future, into the present and into the future. Um, so does, does it make a difference to those around us? Absolutely. Um, I, I hear the story from many others as well who have had some kind of uh, very painful experience and forgiven that. I hear from them that they have become much more tolerant of other people as well. Uh, that they aren't as demanding. They recognize that life is not always what they wish it was. Um, that there will be unfair, painful experiences that we need to grieve and mourn. That's just a part of the reality of life. Um, and as a result, they become more resilient and less uh, captured by the pain in their experiences. And that absolutely is uh, perceived and experienced by the people around us. Uh, it, uh, again, uh, a, a Christian reference. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus uh, is quoted toward the end of that story. After Jesus' resurrection, he's quoted as uh, having a visit with his uh, the closest circle of his followers, and telling them um, that the message of forgiveness is going to preached go, is going to be preached all over the world in my name, and you are the ones who are going to do that. How are you going to do it? Because you have witnessed it in your own life, and since you have experienced it yourselves, you will share with other people what has happened to you. So for me to have been a hateful, resentful, uh, dangerous to Anthony human being and have God loved me at the time I least loved myself, 
was transforming for me. Mm. And, um, and I am much more open to other people mm-hmm. with the struggles they have in their lives. Yeah. Wow. I, if you could actually just dig a little deeper into that concept of uh, reconciling yourself. Because I think like um, <clears throat> that's almost another area where we face like we might experience regret when we experience loss and trauma. Um, we might f- somehow blame ourselves. No, even if we were far or distant, we might still blame ourselves. How do you reconcile yourself? Just one on just one on your own. Oh, Ben, that's a profound question. Uh, uh, and one in, in the book I wrote about this experience and reflecting on it, um, I have devoted a chapter to that subject of how you forgive yourself, how you make peace with yourself. Barbara and I have been asked several times uh, to speak in prisons to inmates. And each of those times we've had uh, incarcerated people come up to us and visit afterward, talking about just what you described, the, the regrets they have about uh, things they have perpetrated hmm. and the wish that they could change their own history. How can they come to peace with who they are as people, knowing what they have done in the past? <clears throat> Several things occur to me. One of those is that I don't talk anymore about forgiving yourself. There's an internal conflict in that. It's an oxymoron, if you will. To say that you forgive yourself for doing what you regret doing implies that either you have to lower your standards for yourself or you have to decide that what you did wasn't so bad after all Mm. or you have to forget all about it and and, uh, pretend as if it never happened. And I don't see any of those alternatives as being viable parts of forgiveness. Hmm. So for me, coming to grips with ourselves is, um, is a matter of accepting the forgiveness offered by somebody else. And as a Christian, that message comes most profoundly through what Jesus has done for us. And instead of seeing myself through my eyes with my history, I'm challenged to see myself through God's eyes and through the history Jesus has written about me. So my my challenge is not to forgive myself. It is to accept the forgiveness Jesus has already offered me. In some ways, that's even a more difficult challenge. How so? Because you have to face what happened. You have to accept reality. Mm. You You have to let yourself be absolutely profoundly guilty and powerless to make changes for yourself and believe God loves you anyway, in spite of all of that. 
Wow. Wow. It does kind of stand things on our head, doesn't it? We're not used to thinking of it that way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I think a big thing that people say is you need to forgive yourself. Forgive yourself. In fact, I've actually heard saying that true forgiveness is completely forgetting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I'm thinking of my own experience. When you give those three options, the latter of the three saying where you altogether forget what um, you have done and that's how you forgive yourself. That's, I think, in a sense, what I do most often. If I have been the perpetrator in a situation, whether or not I've owned up to it to whoever I've harmed or if it's myself that I've harmed, the way I deal with that most regularly is to try and push that out or push it to some you know, box in the back of my head where I'll never access it you know, for the next 20 years or something like that. Um, I, so that's interesting to think of it, of forgiving yourself as being an impossibility um, that you can never fully reconcile what we've done. Yeah, and that puts us in, in, the, in the frame of Paul too, with his whole thing, like I do the things that I, I hate and I hate the things that I do and all this. And he goes on and on with his whole discourse on sin essentially and the human, the human situation and the impossibility of us ever progressing out of that on our own and yet needing mm. to, to look and see through the lens of Christ to recognize that that's where the, that's where the goodness comes from. That's where grace comes from. That's, that's really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. That, but that's hard, you know, <laughs> obviously. I mean, it's obviously hard because um, we want to know that there's an aspect that we can handle on our own. Right. And so it's like, it's, if I forget, then I don't need to, um, I can change my identity. Right. But if I don't forget, if I have to keep that on, then there's always a piece of me that's going to be telling me that I, I am what I did. And so unless I accept what Jesus calls me, I'll always hold on to that if I can't forget it. Yes, that's exactly right. And, and the trap in all of that for us is uh, that if we pretend we can handle it ourselves, then we, do, we, we either do some variation of denial, which is what psychologists would call what you have described very well, Nick. <laughs> we deny what happened. Um, or we live in the fantasy of being in absolute control of ourselves, hmm. which takes us away from a relationship to any superior being or any need of anything beyond ourselves. We become totally self-sufficient. Yeah, yeah. just utter narcissism. Well, that's, a, that's, right. that's a fantasy world as well. Yeah, wow. I never, I've never thought of it in that framework, and that's very helpful. Even if you presented that in your class, which I took, so I'm sorry if you did and I've forgotten it already. But <laughs> we, we always re-experience things. Yeah. <laughs> we relearn them. I'm still doing that, and I'm way far beyond in the number of years to both of you. <laughs> yeah. See, the bottom line here then suggests that forgiveness is not, is not my accomplishment. Hmm. It's not something I do. Forgiveness is God's gift, and I accept it. It's a passive response to the act of God. It's not me proving myself worthy of the accolades of human beings and God's acceptance as well. Mm -hmm. So forgiveness is God's gift. It's not my work. 
well, let's let's can, we, can I throw in a hypothetical here and you can give it your best shot or no shot at all. You can just shoot it down if you want. But let's say there's somebody um, who's no, no, no conceptualization of a higher deity that is good. Uh, mm -hmm. Let's say somebody deep in the Amazon or something like that who's only seen a plane fly above. That's the closest thing to modern society they'll ever come into contact with. No understanding of Jesus or God or forgiveness or grace through that Christian lens. And they never will. Um, how is it that an individual like that um, who has no access to any kind of organized um, understanding of, of religion or of grace, how is it that they can accept forgiveness? Because um, you're saying it's not something that just appears out of nowhere. It comes from something greater than ourselves, something that we're indebted to in a sense. Mm -hmm. So if there's no conceptualization in, their, in this individual's mind that they are less than, that they need, they require that forgiveness, where does that come from for somebody like that? Um, several things come to my mind, not the least of which is a wonderful story out of Amazon jungles, cannibals actually, where, um, where one tribe was in, uh, perpetual war with another. Hmm. And, um, the only way they interrupted that was to give a child from one tribe to the other tribe. And then there was a connectedness between those two groups of people, and that preserved a truce between those warring tribes uh, during that person's life. Uh, even in, uh, in non-Christian societies, there are those impulses toward generosity and kindness. Um, and those can be nurtured and fostered by people with good intentions and by, I believe, the work of God's presence through the Holy Spirit, even without the, the intellectual framing of Christianity as we would describe it. Mm -hmm. So there is in every human being, it's my belief, there is in every human being enough of the reflection of the Creator God to give us some positive impulses that uh, we and others can nurture and help grow. Yeah. No, and I'm inclined to agree with you with that, that I think we're all in some way broken nonetheless, but broken mm -hmm. reflections of the divine in some way or another. So. Yeah, I was just curious what your thoughts were on that, because I think for us as Christians, it may be, in a sense, easier to to cognitively get forgiveness because of the actions that we have recorded in the New Testament. Sure. So for somebody who doesn't have the the privilege of that in all reality, mm -hmm. um, I, I, you're essentially saying that there's still there's still um, sparks of of that grace in the in the human in the human dna as it were mm -hmm. and can i say one more thing I, I recognize your time may be a problem but um there is great psychological material on the subject of forgiveness now and many principles that can be used without any reference to a divine being or uh, divine assistance mm -hmm. there are good steps that an individual can make to learn how to become a forgiving person 
and we can certainly utilize those in the same way that you can take uh, supplemental vitamin C or uh, medicine when you're ill to prevent or cure illness without a direct uh, appeal to a supernatural healing. So there are natural things we can do, and that's true in the subject of forgiveness, uh, as well as physical health. So can I go down to my, my local Rite Aid and get a bottle of this stuff, or? <laughs> uh, you, you can get some sources online, excellent, <laughs> excellent tried and tested research-based methodologies to enhance forgiveness. Brilliant. Yeah. But I can't, I can't just, it's not like a vitamin C, not, not quite a like a vitamin metaphor. C. Okay, darn. Yeah, that was a metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> wow. wow. I just, I have one, uh, I guess, as we're wrapping up, uh, just a question on, um, is the transition, is the only way to transition from shame to guilt? Because I do believe shame and guilt are different. Right, because mm -hmm. shame is when you fully uh, believe that you've become something new. That's like that that is attributed to what you did negatively, right? And it's like that's your identity. Uh, but mm -hmm. guilt is almost recognizing the behavior. Um, is the only way then for us to transition uh, out of shame to behavior and accepting a new identity is through Christ. Mm -hmm. I hadn't thought of it in just that that way before, Ben, but I, I like your distinction between shame, which is debilitating and demoralizing, and guilt, which can be a helpful preventer, a motivator for behavior change in the future. Um, I think that is important. Is there any other way to transition between those two? Well, we come back, don't we, to the idea that you either pretend or deny what happened. Uh, huh. I'll have to think about that. You've sparked some curiosity in me. Nice. Okay, that makes me happy. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, was that the goal all along? Or no, it wasn't. To... I promise. It's <laughs> trying to stump him. Is that what it was, Ben? That's cruel. That's cruel. <laughs> Wow. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think if, uh, what's a good wrap up question. Could you give us maybe, um, some practical things that we can do and let's assume for a moment that our audience isn't Christian, although I'm assuming predominantly they are, but let's just say we have a, 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 slew, a whole slew of different individuals that are listening in. What are, what are three practical things that perhaps a non-religious audience might be able to do um, in, in progressing towards a mindset of forgiveness uh, to, to those around them, but also to those that have done maybe some hor horrific things uh, to them or to an individual that they love. What, yeah, yeah. what are some practical things that, that we as humans can do to, yeah. to progress towards a, a yeah, where forgiving do you start? mindset? Where do you start? Yeah, there are some good things to do, I think. Number one, uh, I would suggest that you face reality. You don't deny it or try to run away from it, but you do the hard work of grieving over what has happened. Mm -hmm. Many times a rush, um, 
a rush away from painful incidents um, deprives us of the healing of appropriate grief. So um, facing reality is important. And that is as true for a perpetrator as it is for a survivor, isn't it? Um, that I need to grieve about those things that I have done that have created pain in other people's lives. So I need to face reality. Um, second, I expect some consequences from that. Mm. My, uh, my seeking to become a forgiving person does not change some of the natural consequences of things that have happened. Mm. So in this life, there will be sadness and sorrow. Uh, and I will have lost some things. That doesn't need to paralyze me indefinitely, but it is true that it will, that it will create some consequences. Third, I want to restore an attitude of forgiveness, of love and openness toward other people. Um, and for perpetrators, that would mean toward myself. Uh, and, and after you have acknowledged the pain and sadness, it's easier to do that because you're not pretending and trying to uh, push back this sorrow from the past. So restore an attitude. Um, some of that has to do with focusing your attention on the other realities of life and not just the sad ones. So what are the good things? What are the things you're grateful for? Um, what are the pleasant things that happened during the day today? Hmm. And that shift in attitude can... Uh, can change things significantly. Part of that also has to do with a shift in attitude, if you're a survivor, a shift in attitude toward the perpetrator. To try to empathize with that individual. What, 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 what would ha might have prompted this for them? Yeah. Uh, what was their circumstance that made them act out or lash out in this way? Uh, are there ways that I can have uh, empathy and compassion hmm. toward the one who has hurt me? And that shift in attitude can uh, make gigantic changes in our lives, even without an appeal to uh, um, a specifically religious source. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. No, I, I think that's that's helpful and that it gives us being able to empathize then whether or not, I, I don't think it matters whether we're the perpetrator or the, the subject of the of the atrocity, being able to empathize with whoever was on the opposite side of that um, yeah. discrepancy is, that's, sure. that's huge. Yeah. Wow. And, and it happens after the grieving. In other words, you don't do that to excuse them or to mm. condone what they've done. You do it in the context of the sadness and the, the loss, the consequences that are already there. Yeah. 
but still it shifts your attitude your you you reinstate a sense of uh, gratefulness for what life leaves for you mm. yeah. brilliant wow well yeah thank you so much daryl for just sharing your story and diving into this area where uh we all because I mean, because of sin, we all experience suffering, but God has tried to show us a way to bounce back and to respond and to connect with him throughout the depths of pain. Mm-hmm. And so thank you for being an example of, of that recovery process and uh, that relationship with Christ that has just made you such an advocate for forgiveness. Mm. Yeah. Speaking of advocating for forgiveness, if you'd like, you can plug your book, although you don't need to. I know it's been out for some time, but if people would like to hear more about your story, and you've got a good amount of research in there as well, I think, in the latter half. So mm-hmm. you can... Uh, it, it was published uh, five years ago now, um, titled A Time to Forgive. Uh, and the the first part of the book, as you mentioned, Nick, tells the story of Shannon's death and our responses to that. Uh, the second part of the book uh, explores the subject of forgiveness itself and how we can become uh, more forgiving. Yeah. Yeah. Available so, on Amazon and from the Pacific Press, the publisher, and I think brilliant. there are some other outlets where you can get it too. Yeah. To, I think that was our textbook for your for your class. That was I've never I've never been in a that was the only class I've ever been in where the textbook was that of the that of the instructor. So congratulations on that. That was well. Yeah, I, I have had to explain to students why I did that. It okay. wasn't that I was making money at it. I hardly made anything. But, <laughs> yeah, you're uh, just trying to sell extra forty copies yeah. every year, right? Yeah. But when I looked around at the subject of forgiveness and trying to find something that um, that expressed what I believed. Nobody said it as well as I said it myself. <laughs> you heard it. You heard it here first, I folks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the expert has spoken. Yes. Wow. No, thank you so much. This has been, this has been fun. And it's, um, that's, I think I've heard that story from you now several times in, in the flesh. Um, and every time it's just such a, wow. I, I don't know what I would do where I had been in your shoes. And if I ever am in that type of situation, I hope that because of your example, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of people would be able to say this, but from your, from your example in this, in this instance, um, perhaps being able to progress out of it in a healthy way, like, like you have. Um, so thank you for that. And thank you, not just for me, but for, I'm, from, I'm sure lots of other people who have who have or will benefit from the, the your experience um as terrific as it as it was yeah so thanks thanks there's my there's my two cents of gratitude and, there at the end and we thank god for staying with us through these tough times yeah yeah, yeah. well we we like to give sometimes our our guests the last word do you have a, a punchline for us that we um that you just you, something you neglected to say or that you wish you had said but we didn't ask you a question about directly 
No, I think I did it already, and that is, <laughs> I got it in. You got it in already. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Forgiveness Brilliant. is not our job; it's God's gift. Brilliant! Wow! Yeah. Wow! That's that's beautiful.